Turn with me to the gospel according to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. I was going to read this verse today anyway, but uh, Brian's absence gave me a little more to do. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith to Zion, Thy God reigns. Thy God reigneth. My old New Testament professor, Knox Chamlin, used to say that a text without a context is a pretext. So, I open with the context for this verse. What's going on? Well, uh, Brian, of course, has been expounding the book of Ezekiel for us, a prophet almost 200 years later than Isaiah. And we've seen some truly horrible things. And, spoiler alert, there are a lot more truly horrible things coming as Brian expounds that prophet. Israel, in Ezekiel, is in its exile. She's been ripped from her land. She's been conquered and humiliated. She's being ridiculed by her captors. Sing us one of the songs of Zion, they say. And the psalmist replies, How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? With our very identity ripped from us. With the covenant that shapes who we are. That creates our relationship with reality and with God and with each other. Our covenant shattered and gone. Our land taken. How can we sing here? Worse yet, the people in Ezekiel's time are excruciatingly aware that all that has come on them is the work of the God who had bound himself to them in that covenant. A covenant which they had broken more times than they had count. A covenant whose ruins lay hopeless and destroyed in the dust. And with every sting of the lash, with every kick of the conqueror's boot, they were confronted with the accusations of a guilty conscience. A conscience which, despite all their best efforts, they could not silence. We did this. This is our doing. This is our fault. And so great has our sin become that it, there would be something wrong with a God who did not unleash this horror on us. Now, the, these people whom Ezekiel addresses as his contemporaries, Isaiah addresses from a distance of 200 years. He's looking into the future. And it's toward these despairing, conscious-stricken people, Ezekiel's contemporaries, that Isaiah looks down those centuries. And what Isaiah has predicted, they now know as history. And they're living under all of Isaiah's prophesied judgments. Into that... Isaiah is going to offer this comfort. But it's not just them. The focus is not exclusively on exiled Israel. The focus is also on exiled man. It wasn't just Israel. It was an entire species that had risen in rebellion against God. An entire species that lives under the righteous judgment which has resulted. Not just us. Everybody, man, animals, creation itself, all of that 
is under this judgment. We are under the fall. We are exiled from Eden. We are in the Babylon of a fallen world under the curse of outraged holiness that lies against us. We're enslaved to every form of wickedness, and deservedly so. No mere man can break the chains. We're the thralls of Satan. We're dead in trespasses and sins. We're fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. By nature, children of wrath, without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, knowing God, but not glorifying Him as God, vain in our imagination, darkened in our hearts, worshiping the, cre the creature more than the Creator, filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. These are the intended hearers of this passage this morning. Alas, I for one am all too qualified to hear this. Like all men whose feet cross mountains in the diplomacy of heaven, I too, Brian too, have to wrestle with all this darkness. This is what it is to be a fallen man in rebellion against God. This is the problem that our passage promises to solve. Into this irreparable situation, into this darkness, into this despair, Isaiah speaks the comfort of his God. So we've set ourselves a, a mighty mountain of a problem. And the first word that Isaiah uses to describe the solution to that problem is the word beautiful. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him. They are feet of beauty. Most people don't think of feet in terms of beauty. That's just not a natural connection. Isaiah goes here. He says, he's, he talks to us about feet coming over mountains. And these feet, well, let me put it this way. These feet are not fresh from the pedicurists. <laughs> these feet are not nestled in the upraised, upraised footrest of a recliner. No, uh, these feet are running feet. These feet are dirty feet. They're tired feet. They're smelly feet. They're feet on a mission. And they are much the worse for wear. But these feet carry a beautiful burden. They carry the priceless reconciling truths of a redeeming God. In our prophet's eyes, this makes them beautiful beyond measure. The word carry, the word beautiful here, carries the idea of delight in something that's fitting or something that's becoming or something that is beautifully appropriate. How can this be? Isaiah is calling us to value 
calling us to treasure what those feet carry. He wants you to see what happens here behind this desk. He wants you to see what happens in that study. He wants you to see that as the food of your souls and precious and beautiful in your eyes. And there are reasons for that. You see, your pastor's feet stink. The men who pray for you, who call you, who listen to you, who teach you, who shepherd you, who hold your souls as the treasures of their own heart, their feet stink. But that stink is the pleasing aroma of sacrifice before the Lord, rising up before His throne as they bring the good news of the embassy of a reconciling God who lays aside the weapons of the war we declared and offers miraculously generous terms of surrender to a mass of treasonous wretches. And Isaiah weeps for joy at the loveliness of the sight. Can you do that? Can you look up here to the foolishness of preaching and see the diamonds and sapphires and rubies and gold that are offered to you? in the reconciling embassies of heaven. But where are those feet beautiful? They are beautiful upon the mountains. These feet cross obstacles in service of their message. Isaiah has in mind the mountains that surround the city of Jerusalem, and while they're not exactly the Himalayas, they're not to be taken lightly. They did offer the, the, the city some protection. They were an obstacle. The image reminds us that God has sent the message to us through great difficulty. The men who stand behind this sacred desk, the man who wrestles in that study day after day after day to carry the embassy of God into the hearts of God's people, this is an effort of blood, sweat, and tears. This is not something that's just tossed off on a lark. And Isaiah calls us to rejoice in it, to see its beauty, to see that the glorious attributes of the triune Godhead marshaled to unite a people of His sovereign choosing into His very being, marshaled to overcome the ruin of the fall and to put to flight the armies of our great enemy. All this news has been placed on the tongue of a weak, feeble sinner. Angels were available. They were passed by. The, the stars could have sung this. They were passed over. A weak, fallible, sinful man has had the immortal words of the living God laid on his tongue and has been commissioned to present them to you out of the depths of his heart. That's what we've been gifted in the ministry of preaching. Incomprehensible. So what is it that's entrusted to the owner of these beautiful feet? These beautiful, smelly, bleeding feet. What have, what's been entrusted? He brings good tidings. For all the scenes of judgment that we've been seeing in Ezekiel, that we would see in any of the prophets, for all of the scenes of judgment, what, what Augustus Toplady called the terrors of law and of God, 
The message these men bring, the message Brian brings to us every Sunday, is the message of hope. It describes, one, the essence of the triune God, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. This is who God is, and He is this to you, and He is yours. He brings us the origins and the nature of man, the image of God, the friend of God, in the presence of God, as He sprang from the hand of God. And He brings us the ruin inflicted by our rebellion and disappearance and all the consequences that ensued. All this comes from the ministry of this man. He brings us the God who loves. A God who loves before the fall. A God who loves through the fall. A God who loves after the fall. A God who loves above the fall and even into the fall. As he plunges from the highest heaven into the flesh of man. The artist taking the form of the work of his hands to bring us home. All of the glorious overtures of the omnipotent enemy. Yes, God was our enemy. All of the glorious overtures of the omnipotent enemy who would have us not merely for friends, but for his sons. All this is carried on these feet. What beautiful feet. He publishes peace where we had declared war and it's not a whisper it's a publication it's a broadcast it's a shout from the rooftops in this offered redemption is not merely a behavior modification for people who are somewhat unpleasant no it's a total reconciliation of heart and mind and soul and purpose a total redefinition of life in the mold of God's holy character a restoration of his image as it's displayed in the person of a man who is God. The preaching you hear from this pulpit is more than an exposition. It is an offer to live in peace with the holiness and the righteousness and the, judgeness, judge, the justice which we have hour by hour provoked and insulted right into the face of our absurd, impotent spite, the Spirit of the living God breathes peace, breathes His reconciling message. Come home. He publishes salvation, deliverance, safety out of danger. So common is this theme in the history of God's dealings with His people that it shows up in the names of some of the greatest heroes of the faith over and over again. You know these names. Names like Joshua, Hosea, Isaiah, and yes, even Jesus. Not to mention the word Hosanna. They're all variations on the same Hebrew idea. Yahweh is salvation. The enemy of our natural state against whom we have sinned in word, thought, and deed. He is, in His essence, salvation. He is, in His essence, an outstretched hand 
calling us home over what we made ourselves. Delighting in us when we hate Him. And changing our hearts so that we can see how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of this messenger. These feet upon the mountains have come with the news that God's desire to deliver, to protect, to rescue, to bless these people, His people, flows out of the unchanging nature of His being as God, who does not change His mind and will never hide His face from those He has loved from eternity. What a gigantic, solemn joy it is to carry such a gospel. What a miraculous privilege it is to hear it and believe it and rejoice in it. How beautiful upon the mountains. And then he summarizes. He summarizes in three titanic words. Your God reigns. He says to Zion, the people of God, those in covenant with Him, those whom He Himself has called, those who he himself has, on his own volition, set apart to himself. The apple of his eye, his beloved, the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand, his body, his bride, his elect, the branches of his vine, loved with not just an endless, but a beginningless love. This is Zion. Dare we believe that we are among such a number? To such people. Are you one of these? To such a people, this message goes out. Your God reigns. Here is the full import of the gospel of the beautiful feet. Though the empires of the world may snarl, though war and famine and pestilence and death may pursue you, though the seething depravity of man may seek you as its prey, Though hell itself may open beneath you and slash at you in its rage and malevolent hunger, your God reigns. Reconciled omnipotence overrules against all your enemies. The king of all reality has taken you for his own son. The wisdom that wove creation arranges the whole of history around his kindness to you. The strength that pulled the universe out of absolutely nothing with a word is your all-seeing and all-foreseeing ally and sovereign and ruler and king without whose will not a hair can fall from your head. It is this message. It is this fortress of the soul. It is this healing of all wounds. It is this glorious, precious, life-giving collection of truths that comes to you on the feet God has set across the mountains from the lips of a creature of vapor and sin in the flimsiest of packages with its wrapping paper torn and its ribbon frayed and faded but still majestic in its glory. Love those feet. Cherish those feet. Joy in those feet. 
Let your heart break in gratitude for those feet and for the offers of love that they carry. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Father, we thank you for the reign of God, for the reign of a reconciling, pursuing, loving Savior. We thank you for your protection through all things. <clears throat> we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for the manifold affections that pour out on us day by day by day by day. We thank you for the mercies that are new every morning, for their unmerited and unmeritable relentlessness. Oh God, that you are a God of such grace, a God of such beauty, a hunter of souls who would not destroy them, but who would adopt them, who would delight in them, who would call them into your lap to be embraced. I beg of you, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see what has been done. You would give us eyes to taste the banquet that you have prepared for us. That this beauty would not escape our notice. That we would taste and see that you are good and the, that we would know that you are the Lord, our God. Ruler, ruler of heaven and earth, protector of our individual souls. In Jesus' name, amen.